Hi, I'm Damien Kingley, and this is the fucked up story of my life and the lives of my guests. In this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking to unique and inspiring individuals about their life, their personal stories, struggles, and experiences. Hi, this is Damien Kingley, and welcome to my podcast, Life Is, and I'm today joined here by The Voice. Howdy doody. And today's guest is the incredible Mr. Wesley Snipes, an incredible show. Hope you're going to enjoy it. On today's podcast, uh, I have a guest who uh, I really want to talk to about his career and, and life in general and the adversity that he's faced along the way and how he's overcome, you know, his various challenges and how it's defined him as a man and a businessman and a family man, whatever that, you know, that man is. And we want to find out a little bit more about that. Um, Look, you know, the world today, you know, times are tough, right? Uh, For a lot of people right now, uh, many people are facing their different challenges, but it's important that these different messages of hope and determination get out there to help uplift people. And, uh, you know, look, I always say that the most well-known artists, whether they're a musician, an actor, a writer, a disruptor, whoever they may be, um, that have gone on to become household names haven't necessarily been born famous. <laughs> okay. These people in many cases have come from simple, humble backgrounds. Uh, they've faced many hardships along their way, heartbreak, whatever you, you call it. Um, it's just not all cotton candy and pavements lined with gold. So, so, so today it's some of these stories that I want to talk about and the determination it takes to build a successful career and family life. You know, I myself have my own day-to-day challenges. I'm living with my current condition of terminal cancer. That's what they call it. Um, You know, I'm into my fifth diagnosis of cancer. I've just reached my 78th chemo and radiotherapy treatment and and various surgeries. Uh, Very shortly, I'm about to go into my next stage of of treatment. Um, So my journey continues. Uh, doctors, when I was first diagnosed with, with my cancer, and that was the first cancer, I'm, I'm now in my second primary cancer, which is metastasized and so on. But when I was first diagnosed with late stage four cancer almost six years ago, I was only told at the time I only had a few weeks left. And, uh, you know, at the time I was also a single full-time daddy of two young boys. And, uh, you know, I always say that news gets you pretty focused. And, uh, you know, for me, it was a red rag to a bull and uh, it got me determined. It got me determined to say, look, man, I got a lot of living to do. You know, I want to see my kids grow up. I, you know, I want to give them away at their weddings. I want to see them graduate. You know, I want to be around for them. I've got to be their rock. And so that was my my light, in a sense, that, that has given me my determination and my fight to, to outwit the doctors and to keep pushing through. And, uh, you know, uh, said five more cancers later, I'm still here fighting and kicking. And, you know, this is part of my platform that I hope to use to help inspire others that are going through similar traumas or maybe they're a family member that has someone in their family or life that's going through a trauma to say there is hope. It's about positivity. I always say 80% of the battles up here. 
as long as you're determined, as long as you're willing to fight, and as long as you know what you're fighting for, there's always hope. And if I, as long as I'm around, can continue to use this platform to do what I'm doing with my various businesses around the world and to leave my legacy, not just for myself, but for my children, this is what I'm determined to do. So it's some of these stories that what we're doing here today uh, and, 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 and through this podcast show is to bring out some of these other great adversity stories and stories and challenges that have some of these people that I'm sure that you know about and have heard about and love, uh, they weren't always born famous, okay? They've battled hard to get where they've got to. And look, without further ado, I want to talk to you today about my guest today, who's an actor, a producer, a businessman, an author, a disruptor, a family man, <laughs> and also, I guess I can say, um, the favorite actor of the IRS. <laughs> um, <laughs> One of them. He's also, he's also an incredible tech guru. Which, uh, which oh, yeah. And, and, and also a health disruptor. Right? And a health disruptor and a tech guru. Yeah. And we're going to get into that too, because I am absolutely fascinated with this story. I mean, maybe, may, I, oh, and let me introduce, because you're probably, for the, for the folks that are listening, you're probably, who was that? <laughs> that's the voice, okay? You don't see him, you don't hear from him, you don't know who he is, but that's the voice. That's just my little canary on my shoulder that sometimes chirps in and uh we love the voice so uh so that's the voice but um you know look we'll get into it after but uh you know i'm really fascinated by the the tech mogul sort of thing that you're getting into right now and maybe just give us a quick insight into that oh actually well firstly let me introduce who it is exactly they don't know who we're talking to i gave you a little hint Not at all. and uh who i'm talking maybe to right can- now is someone that, you know, all my sort of a young adult life and all the way through to today has been someone so inspirational to me and I've followed his journey and it's just great to be with him. And it is Mr. Wesley Snipes. Right on, right on. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Hey, Damien, man. Peace, man. Oh, peace, You're man. looking well, man. You're looking well. Thank man. you, sir. Thank you. Yes. Bless you. Bless you. I didn't know that I had that effect on you, man, I, that, uh, that the work had, um, had resonated with you that well. Oh, man, it you did. Know, it's been a long, it's been a nice long run, this 40 plus years of it's being incredible. an artist and blessed with opportunity. And you never know how many people it affects and how far reaching mm-hmm. your work mm-hmm. travels. And you hit me all the way expression. back home in Sydney, Australia, where I grew up. You know, that's where uh, I first <laughs> met you in a sense. And, uh, you know, I followed you around the world ever since. So amazing. Right on, man. You're right on. Hey, have you ever been to the Bronx, New York, man? Uh, you know what? Could I say I've been to deep, dark Bronx? I haven't. But, you know, uh, New York is one of my favorite cities in all deep, the world. Deep, dark but not Bronx, Bronx as opposed to light, bright Bronx? <laughs> I'm talking What's back the in the old days, no, right? No, we talking <laughs> to the Bronx back, you know, where I came from in the 70s. You know, uh, if you remember a great film uh, by Walter Hill that was titled The Warriors. The, the Warriors. Warriors. Oh, man. The Warriors, that film oh, was... Yeah. Uh, you bet, man. Right, with the gangs of the 70s and stuff. Uh-huh. So that was the world that I actually grew up in. Those wow. were the neighborhoods and some of the mm-hmm. people that populated or were part of my community uh, at that time. And 
during that period, you also they used to have a slogan that said the Bronx was burning because many of the abandoned buildings or the uh, tenements had been abandoned and they were allowing them to burn. In some cases, the landlords were paying uh, drug addicts and arsonists to set fire to the buildings so that they could later claim, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. assurance claim or create co-ops and then charge a higher price, ultimately gentrifying that particular neighborhood. So if you saw a film uh, titled uh, Slumdog Millionaire, right? Uh, Some of the images of the kids playing in the rubble and dancing and playing and still laughing all over the trash and stuff like that. That is similar to the environment that I lived in in the neighborhoods in the Bronx in the 70s. And we played in the rubble. We learned how to do backflips. We learned how to do unicycle, ride unicycles, how to play tag and jump through windows and all of these kind of things in that kind of environment, you know. So incredibly artistic, incredibly, incredibly rich with community and family in spite of the the poverty and the lack of... uh, Lack of funds, mm. you know, but it had a whole lot of style. A whole lot of style. <laughs> well, you tell you what, because that Warriors, I mean, I, I, I first saw that back home in Sydney um, when I was younger and, and that, that, that movie really resonated with me. And, uh, but I kind of, I, I guess when I take myself back to that movie and I think about it, I kind of thought, oh, that's Hollywood. That can't be America. You know, for me, America mm-hmm. as a kid growing up was the shiny beacon of, you know, democracy and hope and opportunity mm. and so forth. And when I yeah, watched that, that film. <laughs> you saw that commercial too. You saw that commercial too, yeah, right? Yeah, that was a great well, commercial. Yeah. You saw that, right? <laughs> hey, it Love sold it. me. It sold me at Wanted the time, it. man. It you sold know? me at the time. That was, it was great. Hey, great it, 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 birthed, it birthed pop, hip hop wow. culture. That mm-hmm. commercial, that same aspiration, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it drove the desire to be so creative and find other ways to express yourself that coalesced into what we now call the hip hop culture, which is like exploded around the world. It's integrated into the very day to day life of most of your young people oh, out damn, yeah. around the yeah. world. Yeah. Music and art and mm-hmm. fashion. And the lyrics, man. I mean, lyrics, got billionaires yeah. who come out of the hip hop culture. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling that though, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> uh, um, so it's see the 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 blossoming and and the constant that all things change, things evolve. Sometimes you never know what's around the corner, and sometimes when you're a little, little ant on the balloon, you can't see what's over the over the crest, mm-hmm. the summit. And uh, it might be something wonderful and spectacular that you never expected, that really expected, that changes the world, you know. Well, look, the, the, the world, and maybe we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later, is, is, is a really unusual place right now. Um, there's so much going on, uh, you know, with, with the global pandemic, uh, with partisan politics going on in, in various countries, including your own. Um, you know, and, and again, that resonates really loudly with me, even though I'm not an American citizen. Um, I grew up living and breathing Americana as a, as a, as a kid back home in Australia. And, uh, you know, 
right now I'm finding it really difficult to watch what's going on when I, I, I watch the news channels and everything going on in America. It, I find it really difficult because it sort of tears at my heartstrings. But again, we, you know, we can talk about that a bit more later. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a lot going on in the world, man. A lot going on in the world. Yeah, man. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you know, greater cats than us have been through worse, you know, for real, Damien. If you really, you know, recall the history, there's some cats that went through some real shit. Oh, yeah. Some heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have long periods of time. I mean, even if you go on back to the, the biblical days or the archival days or even the the, the scrolls and the, and, and the writings on the temple walls, they talk about cats that went through some hell. Hell, man. <laughs> hell. History is cyclical. Hell, History Jack is Warren. cyclical, you know? It really is. You know? And that's the, that's the great lesson, you know, we're here because we are the latest and greatest version of all of that mm-hmm. and better best prepared at the time, you know, and what is at hand. So I'm, I'm, I know it's crazy out there, but, you know, I'm, we like warriors, man. We came, and that's like talent of God, baby. We came <laughs> here for this purpose, you know. We, it ain't no mistake that we're here. <laughs> it ain't no mistake. Ain't mistake. And I, I, I honestly believe as you go back in history and you read some of the, the people in these biblical stories and in and, and, and history and whatever, we got the light challenge because, man, they had it hard in the, in the old days. They was, right, we got the light version. Let a pterodactyl or brontosaurus chase your ass and you see how you feel. How that work out? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Just don't have what? penicillin. Just remove penicillin from your life right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. Yeah. God damn. We, we, we're doing good. We, do, <laughs> we can do a lot better. And that's, you know, what you're doing. And uh, thank you for, the, you know, bringing the community together. You know, it resonates very much with what we are looking at in terms of wonderful, what we call... Uh, multi-talented hybrid skill masters people who are extremely proficient and adept at more than one thing Mm -hmm. and uh, can do it and do it for justice and do it for right and for the betterment of man and womankind you're you're doing that man it's not just talking it you you're walking it and that be a great example not only for cats like myself but all of the younger ones that are coming along and as an inspiration to the ones that are coming along that they can do it too. It's cool to be on the right side of history. You know, it's cool to do some Damn good it. stuff, good, good work, you know, mm-hmm. to fight the good fight. It's cool. You know, it's a little rough sometimes, but it's cool. It sound, <laughs> huh? You just made it sound cool. He makes it sound cool, right? It is cool, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, baby, that's fetus. what day walkers do. <laughs> we cool. <laughs> I'm going to close a homeless guy right now. <laughs> man, yeah. You may yeah. make him cool. It's all right. <laughs> Damn. I, I mean, I'd love to know more about day walkers in a minute, but listen, you know, I, I just sort of want to roll it back a bit again and... Um, you started talking about your your days back in the Bronx in the seventies and so on, and and I again I just thought it was Hollywood, yeah. the the Warriors. But man, from what you're saying, it that was that was the Bronx. It really was. The, oh the yeah, Bronx. one one aspect of it, one dimension of it. But you know, you had family. I mean, you had mm-hmm. soul food mm-hmm. going on in the Bronx at the same time, mm-hmm. right? And you had the gospel, you had the church. Mm-hmm. Literally, man. I used to when I went to high school, the High School of Performing Arts at what was that, uh, 13, 14 years old, something like that, I would have to take the bus from all the way to the train, the subway, the L train, 
down to Broadway, 45th Street, 46th Street, where the school was at, the fame school. Some of the younger the fame generation wow. will know yeah, the yeah. that's yeah, fame. Yeah, yeah, fame, man. That was so, my second after, yeah, the Warriors. It was fame for me, yeah. I, I, I was inducted into the school there and from the Bronx, the only cat in my neighborhood who was going to an art school like that. Some of the other ones, they went to the music and art, which was actually in the Bronx. But the performing arts school was down uh, on broad, in Broadway, on 46th Street in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, Broadway. And, hey, man, you know, I would have to take the train or the bus being a youngster, young shorty like that, by myself every day. And I never had no problems like that. You know, occasionally a cat, a group of cats might come and try to take your bus pass. But for the most part, you didn't have cats snatching you up. You didn't have none, none of the gunplay that wasn't even in the, in the mix. So children had the, the freedom, strangely enough, in that kind of environment at that time to roam the streets, mm-hmm. to, to travel and traverse from city to city, mm-hmm. you know, without being harmed, I without hear. being, you know, molested and, and, and without the fear. And, and, and remind you, we didn't have a... Everything was landline. So when you left the house, your parents didn't know if you were yeah. coming home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an answering it's, machine, right? Yeah. Yeah, before, yeah. Before yeah. Before yeah. Mastering. I, I was talking about this the other day. We yeah. played a game called Roundup. And a roundup was like a tag amongst teams in the neighborhood. Sometimes it would be block or it would be group against group. And we would set a boundary. <clears throat> and the boundary could literally be three, uh, three boroughs. Like you can't go to Long Island. You can't go to Queens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? But we're in the Bronx now. <laughs> so literally we would start to chase and cats would be on the train way out in Rockaway at somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> you would come home, man, at almost 11 o'clock at night because you had to take the train all the way back from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your parents and what, you're no like 11 years old at. or something? Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. it was it was okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was okay. Yeah. Now? <sighs> Forget what? it. You, Forget yeah. about it. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> I would not, I don't even let my kids down to the corner shop and they're 11 and 13. And yeah, I get man, we got to change that, man. That's crazy, that. isn't it? Because, as, Wesley, as you said, I remember in Australia, my parents would let me out. And same thing. I wouldn't come home till 10 or 11 o'clock at night. And there was no mobile phones. I would right. have to leave a message at home on the, on the, on the answering machine, right? Right. Say, Hi, Mom. I met my friends. But I'd be out gallivanting about doing crazy shit. They didn't know about it. But, you know, they were That's okay right. if I came back at 11 o'clock at night. It was safe. Yeah, yeah, it, it was safe. safe, right? It was safe. It just ain't that safe. way anymore. And the Doesn't people cared way. about each other, mm-hmm. you know, the elders and the young, yeah. even the guys who were the, you know, the gangsters, the, the shorties, and they would like, look, shorty, you, you go to school, you go to class, you don't get into this. Mm-hmm. You know, get your ass home, get off, get off the street, go home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would do that. You know, now it's a little, it's a little different. Some of them don't have different. that moral compass. Yeah, there was a code once. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't have that moral compass. 
this. Mm. We're finding mm. out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm. crazy capitalist. That's the big battle right now. Taking over the whole world. Yeah, that's <laughs> the big battle. So yeah, so I mean, so okay, so what? So I mean, you like you got into martial arts from you know at an early age, from what I understand. I mean, was that a product of your environment, or that's just something you wanted to get into? And or? was it Bruce Lee? Oh, it was a Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Bruce had something to do with it, and, and, and kung fu movies on Saturday afternoon had something to do with it. The neighborhood had a lot to do with it. Uh, my, uh, I was real short when I was a kid, you know, and I think uh, people thought that I was going to be a midget. You know, I had my little challenges, <laughs> and as a means of not only learning to defend myself, but you know, get me in some other things. Plus, I was real artistic. I love dancing. I love performing. Mm-hmm. I love music, all of that kind of stuff. My mom got me into uh, uh, martial arts 12 years old. And was your mom? Okay. Yeah, my mom. My mom got me. Uh-huh. And uh, we would have martial arts class. And then in the same facility, the Harlem YMCA, uh, we African dance class. So I would also take the African dance class after or either before the the Shotokan and and karate class. And that started the journey and the whole physicality, you know, from break dancing to b-boy into all of that, all of that kind of wonderful body movement stuff. And uh, I just kept with it. Uh, When I got into college, uh, I got serious with it when I was exposed to capoeira. And I uh, became a capoeirista for about. That's the Brazilian you know, martial years. arts, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Brazilian, uh, African roots in yeah. uh, martial art. And uh, while I was training capoeira, I was also training Shotokan and uh, Aikijutsu, which is more of the stand up jujitsu uh, style. Because you remember, like, where we come from in the, in the, in the Harlem and the Bronx, clothes meant a lot. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? How you looked and protecting and preserving your clothes was very important. <laughs> protecting and preserving. You had to take a cat out. The last thing you wanted to do <laughs> was to roll on the ground <laughs> in your pat in your crocodiles, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you damn sure did yeah. not want to take, you know, the silk, the silk, the, the, the shark skin yeah, suit, yeah. you know, and, and, and roll on the ground. It was inappropriate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we were trained in the to to, to uh, lock joint, uh, mesmerize, disable, and put them on the ground while you still look good and can walk away. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that was the Aikijitsu approach. Grandmaster Moses Powell and all of the Sanukas family there in uh, in uh, Harlem in Brooklyn. Amazing martial arts system, you know, ap- street applicable. Right. It wasn't about sport. It was like street stuff. And uh, the combination of all of that also helped what I was doing as a dancer and uh, as an actor. So I just fused it all together. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, when I graduated from college, started working and got offered a, uh, uh, a sports movie, which was the title Streets of Gold with Klaus Maria Brandauer. As the lead actor, uh, I was uh, already into the martial arts, already into boxing and acting, and that opened the door for me doing um, 
athletic characters in, in, in film and stage. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the martial arts and the fine arts have always harmonized mm-hmm. with me and been as relevant and resident. I didn't come into the acting world as a martial artist. I actually came in as a dramatic actor who just happened to have the skills of a trained martial artist right. and, a, and a dancer and a gymnast. Yeah, because that's what I was curious about. You know, how did that, you know, you, you, you obviously studied the martial arts from 12 and earlier age, but you went to performing arts school too. So it was kind of in synchronicity in a sense. But, yeah. you know, were you as a child sort of thinking maybe my direction is I'm, I'm going to go for a professional martial artist and continue that thread? Or, or was the acting and, and theater and, and that boat always what defined you and thought that's, that's who I want to be? I'm a, where did that, the acting come from? Oh, yeah, it was always the performing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the martial arts was never, I never thought of the martial arts as a career or mm-hmm. as a means of, you know, exp- really expressing myself. It was more conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <clears throat> the performing arts was where my heart, energy, and soul was at, rooted. And uh, the martial arts just augmented what mm-hmm. I was really rooted to in the uh, in the performing arts. And I grew up in the blocks I grew up in, and my family, my aunts, my cousins, we were all like street dancers and performers. Mm-hmm. You know, we would even perform in church. And if there was a play, you know, you, you, somebody wanted to play the sheep, somebody wanted to play Mary, somebody wanted to play the baby. You know, we'd, we'd do this on the, all the time. And uh, one day, one of my teachers suggested to my mom that there was a place, a school, where he could actually be trained, since he had the talent, uh, trained to be a great performer, a stage performer, mostly. And that was the High School of Performing Arts. One thing led to another. We scrounged up the money for all of the applications and I went and auditioned. And lo and behold, I got accepted and... That started that journey. And yeah. that is fame. That is what I've seen the the, the, the movie back in the 80s and whatever and, and 90s. Is that fame? Right. That's the same yeah, place. That's the real, that was a real school. Matter of fact, wow. most of the actors in that movie were my classmates. No way. Serious? Yeah, schoolmates. Oh, yeah, man. classmates. Wow. You know, the even cool part about it is that some of those guys are now running some of the biggest studios in the world. Matter of fact, some of the guys that run Marvel are my ex-alumni, class schoolmates from the High School of Performing Arts. Wow. (laughs) That school was amazing, man. That that program Uh, was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And and, and the movie came first, right? And then it went into a bit of a series, right? From memory. Correct. Is that right? Correct. And I I never forget when I saw, when that movie came to Australia and and I watched Fame and and I saw the one scene that resonates so well with me. I still see it when they're sitting and they're all sitting around and one of them starts tapping his drumsticks on the table and the next minute they're all, one's getting up and, you know, dancing. Oh, man, yeah, doing lunch, right? Oh, yeah, doing lunch. Oh, man. That happened. That happened three times a day. No. Really? It happened three or four times a day. It happened before classes started. So literally we would arrive to the school early and we had DJs 
and the DJs would play music in the school lunchroom before all of the while all of the tables were moved out of the way in the morning before the bell. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Then at two at the two lunches, the two lunches because different the, the dancers had a different lunch then or the uh, the juniors and seniors had a different lunch period than I think the freshmen and the and the sophomore. And uh, then then once class was over and the day was done. Oh man! <laughs> right back downstairs it into the lunchroom and it burst. Party. Yeah, this was every day, every day. And you know, and we had it was such a rich environment that was uh-huh. so exciting because you had people who were really great dancers and they were learning moves and they were bringing steps that they were learning in the class or at tap dancing or mm-hmm. acrobatics all into the into the the pot. You know, every day. <laughs> wow. And it was very competitive. Oh, it was so much fun. And wow. Wesley, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm drooling. I'm so happy to hear that. It was just a normal day in the office, in a sense, because I wasn't sure. I thought, is that just. No, the it was cameras? real, man. It, it was, was real. real. Wow. It, it was like real. Art real. The one? They have a performing arts school yeah. in London. Exactly the same thing happens, except one person dances and everyone else quits. <laughs> <And> everybody else <laughs> Really? <laughs> and taps wow. pencils on the table. That's right. Well, that was lovely. <laughs> lovely, <laughs> jubbly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lovely. Not quite Smashing. Lovely. You can sit down. Everyone's a small Simon Cowell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, but that's that's wonderful. What a wonderful story because that is just as I said, it resonates so loudly with me, that whole fame academy thing yeah. and fame and, and just the the cooking pot of talent and exuberance. And yeah. to hear that it said some of your alumni are now going on to run the biggest studios. That's amazing. Yeah, so, great actors and yeah. great performers and the stage and Broadway. So it really did do its around. job, didn't it? It really did do its job, your school. <laughs> But it, it did about, its right? job, Jim. Yeah. It set a seed that you know that was indelible in my in my mind and soul. And then I ended up actually moving to the south. My mom moved us to the south, so I didn't mm-hmm. didn't graduate from the school that year. And I ended up going to another school down in Orlando, Florida, Tyler right. Jones mm-hmm. High School. Mm-hmm. And there, it was very interesting because they didn't have a theater arts program, but they had. Uh, people who were um, theater lovers and teachers who were theater lovers. Mm -hmm. So one of my best friends uh, introduced me and uh, she actually, my friend said to me, he said, Hey man, Hey man, do you, uh, you like, you like acting? I was like acting, you know, (laughs) you know, like acting, acting. You like, you like, you like, Acting, you know, you know, acting like plays and stuff. I said, plays? Oh, oh you mean acting? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, yeah. I English. do like acting. Yeah. So <laughs> he says, hey, man, come on. You know, you should be in the play, man. We do a play at the end of the school. You know, I'm going to introduce you to me. And, you know, I think you could be in the play with us, man, if you ain't scared. You know, you might be scared. And he had no idea that for the last, I don't know, 10 years of my life, I had been doing nothing but performing, right? <laughs> Stage, theater, plays, poetry, yeah. you know, park and all of this stuff, right? So he brings me to the teacher and she she gives me a script and she says, here, 
you know, okay, look this over. This is called a script. And look it over. And then you go outside and, and you know, see if you, you can memorize it. And then when you come back, don't be nervous now. When you come back. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll just, you know, play it. And I'll play the, I'll read the other part and you read this part. Mm-hmm. And my friend was like, yeah, man, come on, man, go ahead, man. Don't be scared. We can, can, we you can do this. You can't remember yeah. nothing. You even got a memory. Cool. Go ahead, man. All right. So I went outside. It took me all of like 30 seconds to remember, to, to flash memorize the whole page. You know, like a quick photo memory. Bang. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> so I walked back then and she said, well, I'm going to say, no, I'm ready. Let's, 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 I'm ready. She says, you're ready. Well, you know, but you have to memorize this. And yeah, I'm, I'm good. She said, oh, oh, well, okay. She said, well, here, well, just hold the piece of paper while we do it. And I said, well, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't need the paper. And we started the scene and I had all of the lines memorized and I played the whole scene with her without looking at the piece of paper very straight from memory. And we did all of this in about minutes, three minutes. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> She puts the paper down and she goes, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You've done this before. <laughs> You've done this before. <laughs> and then my friend is looking at me and he's like, damn, <laughs> yeah. man, that was good, man. <laughs> yes, that was good. You, you, know what, you, you know what this is. Huh? I say, well, I got something to tell y'all. <laughs> and I revealed to them my whole background. And that started an incredible journey of us actually building and innovating the school theater program, the mm-hmm. Council of Arts and Sciences program, and even uh, the early days of what was the architecture for what is now Dr. Phillips High School in the region, which has a partnership with Universal and Disney, and they use them as a pipeline Damn, for new okay. talent yeah. that they mm-hmm. roll out into both the shows and into mm-hmm. the theme parks, all in with your homeboy, the day walker that you're talking to right wow. now. And those uh-huh. wonderful teachers, Miss Karen Ruggiero, Miss Susan Poro, and my brothers, Edward, Edward Crosby, back in 1978, 1979, and 1980. We, I actually laid out the architecture for the, the, the um, school program, the academic program, for the art school down, based on my experiences at the mm-hmm. high school of performing arts. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a whole, you know, now, I mean, you know, it's an entertainment mecca down there now, you know. Damn. But when I was there, it was mm-hmm. not. It mm-hmm. was Orange Grove. <laughs> it was tobacco <laughs> orange and Grove. Orange Grove. They make good juice, yeah. And, and county wow. fairs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So you brought yeah. that sort of that experience and, and learning that you had back in New York. You brought that to Orlando and the school, in a sense, and they instilled that. Yeah, Out of desperation and mental survival. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I missed New York so bad, so much. Uh-huh. You know, and I was angry that I was even brought to Florida. And not a worse, yeah. I'm going to the school that my mom went to. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's it your mom went to? <laughs> How, what did uh, I do to deserve this? How get many, me out of here. So, yeah. oh. <laughs> so then you got the hell out of Orlando and got back to oh, New York, right? caught the first greenhouse smoking, yeah. baby. <laughs> and fortunately, because those same teachers introduced me to going to colleges that had professional training arts programs and the requirements it took to get accepted. Lo and behold, for Juilliard, NYU, North Carolina, late applications, some of my academics didn't get me in certain places like Yale and all of that. 
but the State University of New York had purchased, uh, they also accepted me. And since it was close to the Bronx, for me, and a state university on top of that, uh, in the in the United States, this is a, a state um, um, subsidized university mm-hmm. uh, within a series SUNY a series of colleges and universities under that uh, moniker. Uh, I could afford it. They were giving me a scholarship, and it was a complimentary program to and all of the other ones in NYU. Some of the actors from the purchase was smoking the ones from Juilliard in terms of work and performance and skill ability. So I was like, oh man, you know, if I can get the money and get the resources to get to the school and have the audition, I know I'll get in. Just let me get there. And Mm -hmm. that was the challenge, right? To come up with that, you know, 500 or $350 or $500 it took for the application and the bus ticket and the round trip to get to from Orlando, Florida, where I was living at the time, to uh, uh, White Plains, New York. Yo, man, we had to to hustle too, man, you know? We had to get out. I had to wash windows. I had to sell Mm -hmm. flips, ICs, you know what I'm saying? I had to wash cars. You know, Did whatever my mother had to with my grandma, yeah. grand, my grandmother, she had to work for some people in their house, you know, and do some, you know, nanny services for people and some mm-hmm. homekeeper services for people, you know, you know, to get that money up. Mm-hmm. And we got the money. Uh, yeah, man. You know, I made it to. Uh... Wow. Wow, man. Bye. Hey. <laughs> hey, dude. That was weird. Hey, Wesley. Everyone dug deep, man. Everyone dug deep, man. I'm feeling you. I'm feeling you. Yeah, man, and we made it, you know. You know, I made it to the school. I made it to the school. One of only only four African-Americans in the school, they had a quota, right? So Mm -hmm. they only allowed us so many minorities in this class of 30. Uh, usually the quarter was like four or two, something like that. And uh, I was one of the ones that was accepted. And I made it through the whole program, the full four years. You know, made that journey, bro. <laughs> Thank God, man. It was deep. Thank it was God. Deep. Deep. It was yeah. deep. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy, huh? Well, man. Came, well, man. Hey, that's the, hey. It's all right. You know. Um, I can I see that. Or, see that out there. Move up. Talk about <laughs> Blade broke down and started crying like a bitch. Dude, something else to happen to him. Yeah. They, they gave him a garlic pop or something. Man, he's got an allergy. That's that's gonna be there. Yeah, yeah. He's got his onions. We've been doing some garlic. You know, sometimes you don't meditate on especially in these days. Times, man, a lot of people are suffering, you know. Baby, you meditate on the value of your moms and your grandmoms mm-hmm. and your fathers and your mothers and your great grandmothers. And the guilt, you know, man, you don't something to be fronting on, uh, you know, respect on the love. How dare we be in a society with all of this wealth and not know how to take care of our children and our and our parents and our elders? 
It's disgusting. Yeah, how how little we we give them credit as we're growing up. You yeah, know, man. Realize yeah, man. And the parent. sacrifices they made, man. They don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Me, you know, my mother, my mother, my parents, they did stuff, man. You know, for us, whew, I didn't find out until I was 40 years old. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, wow. Oh, okay. Wesley, you mean? know, I, you know, I totally connected with you just then because I did exactly that four hours ago, thinking about my mum. My mum's back home in Australia and she's, you know, my dad passed away with cancer uh, as Mm. well quite a few years ago. My mum grew up in a pretty sheltered life. Dad did everything for her and I'm an only child. And, you know, mum's back home in Australia right now in Melbourne where she lives. They're in lockdown. Incredibly, they're doing another lockdown. So she's all alone in her apartment. I can't get to Australia um, because Australia is only allowing 4,000 people into the entire country a week right now. A week. That's nothing. So you can't even get on a flight. And then once you get there, you can't get back out for now. No Australian citizens are allowed to leave the country on top of it. And and I'm thinking of my mum who who sacrificed for me as, as a kid to, to define who I am as a human being today. And she's all alone in her apartment and and I feel guilty sometimes and I think, God, and I just, I wept like you this morning by myself mm. about, about really those moments of thinking, I've got to stop and, and look at where I am and what I've achieved to date as a human being. And, but it's, it's our moms and dads that help define us in most cases. Yeah, no, I know, no question. Yeah, yeah. And, no question. Uh, I feel guilty sometimes about it, but um, but anyway, that's well, that's another story. I mean, you know, I, I don't carry the guilt. You know, mm. I, I know it's like I say. You know, we are a later grade of them and improvements, and you know, mm. we, we, we it depends on your information and exposure. You know, to know what's best. What mm-hmm. better choices mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. or make? Steering you, you know. If you don't, mm-hmm. yeah, man. If you don't mm-hmm. have that exposure, then you know you're like a weed leaf in the wind, baby. You can be blown anywhere. Oh yeah, any which way. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it's up to and it's something I want to talk to you about later too. But it is as, as you're a family man now. You're a dad. You're that. You're in that position now, and so am yeah, I, I and so on. I got to yeah. start five, man. Well, with that moral compass for our kids, right? And, you know, and we can only set them down that path and we hope that they'll take the right choices, right? But um, sometimes kids don't want to listen to you because they think we're out of touch or whatever it is. And, you know, that's that's a whole other journey. But listen, you know, you know, uh, you know. When you started out as an actor, and I'm just curious, and we're going to move on from this in a minute, but I'm just, who who sort of mentored you or what guided you? Who did you look up to at that point and said, that's, that's what I'm aiming for. That's my mentor. You know, I'm, I'm going to get into this acting world. How did it start for you? Uh, from a, as an actor? Yeah. From the, from the art. As an actor, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you had the Sydney Portiers of the, of the world Sydney as Pointier. icons, mm-hmm. you know. And the wow, James Earl Joneses of the world, mm-hmm. as uh, <clears throat> as the, the the Harry Belafonte's mm-hmm. of the world, they, they were the pinnacle. But 
you know, I was an action guy. I, I like body movement. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was more stimulated by the James Browns, the Michael Jacksons, mm-hmm. the Tom Jones, the the uh, uh, Gene Kellys of the world, uh, the, the 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 Charles Bronson, you know, the the Ben Vereens of the world. These were people that really stimulated me because they were body movement people. Mm-hmm. And I liked body movement. I liked body movement more than I liked dramatic acting, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I would have had my druthers, I would have been a dancer more than an actor. And it just so turned out that the school didn't offer the program for dance, especially college. So I lost that dance exposure in Florida, but then I lost it again once I got to college because the program in college was primarily a dramatic arts program doing repertory theater and Shakespeare and all Gibson and all of the wonderful classics around the world. Yes, but nobody was dancing, right? So that kind of took me in a different direction from what I thought I really was going to do as be a showman, you know, a, a Sammy Davis Jr. type of a show, a song and dance page. Well, since it didn't go that way and I ended up in the movie. Lawrence took the place of me being able to dance and get that, that get that fix of the body movement that I wanted initially from being a dancer to being a dancer. So what are you saying? Are you saying you're looking for a, a big showtime musical that you want to do next or something? You know, I was al- I was almost dream? in Dream Girls. Oh, I was wow. almost really? in Dream Girls. Yeah, yeah. I was a finalist for that. Uh, funny enough, Eddie Murphy ended up in that particular role. But when I walked in, most people didn't know I could sing. Dance, you know. They, well, most people know that I can dance, really mm-hmm. sing, right? So uh, I, I have always had a thing for musical, musical theater. Mm-hmm. And really, that was my forte prior to getting into the dramatic side wow. of, uh, um, of acting. And the movies came along as a result of my dramatic acting on Broadway, result of my dancing. You did one show on Broadway, right? Yeah. I've done three. I've done Broadway three three times. Three times, wow. All all dramas, all uh, Mm -hmm. dramatic work. One, two, three. When you were younger? After college, yeah. This is in my late 20s and 30s. Yeah. Do you miss it? 20s and 30s. I do. I do. There's something about age man that's just so special mm-hmm. so you know and even when I go see plays now I just get charged up and you know I have to walk backstage <laughs> the fact since I got family I can introduce the family to the cast and the costumes and all of that and I go stand on the stage <laughs> 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 in front of the lights and just look up into the best knee and be like man oh wow yeah yeah yeah, that whole live it. performance must be a totally different thing than being oh, in front of yeah, the crew and the camera. It's just, yeah. Because yeah, wasn't, um, was it a Michael Jackson video that was kind of your break and, and moment in a sense that you did one bad at one point or yeah. how did that work out? That kind of came, that kind of came, uh, yeah, that kind of came around in a strange way. It came a little bit from the theater, but I think I did a, a, a the boxing movie. You did you did Wildcats before that, though, didn't you? You did Wildcats. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, I mean, it was an acting audition. And mm-hmm. uh, Scorsese was there. And, uh, wow. Um, Quincy Jones, the great grandmaster Quincy Jones, mm-hmm. he was there. Michael wasn't there at the time, but choreographers was there and some of the other producers. <clears throat> I knew that Scorsese or De Niro and Pesci and, 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 and um, all of that crew, the Italian boy crew, right? So, <clears throat> and James Woods, and I watched the movies that, I studied the movies that they made with those actors. So I know he liked that style of acting. So when I went to the audition, I tried to give them a little bit of what I perceived Robert De Niro or James Woods was doing in the movies they did with Scorsese. Right? Maybe he would recognize, you know, or say, look, oh, that's kind of like, you know, what Robert does. That's kind of like, you know, but we won't. And sure enough, it worked. And they cast me mm-hmm. as the as the finger, uh, as the as the gang leader next to Michael, right? And uh, Michael had to sign off on this, so Quincy had signed off on it, and, and Scorsese had signed off on it, and now all legends, yeah. <clears throat> but what Michael didn't know was that I was a trained actor. He thought I was actually a gangbanger. <laughs> so in one of the yeah, scenes, yeah. to me, in like the scene, there's a scene in Bad where we're in the and he turns to me and he says, uh, he says uh, something like, you and Bad or blah, blah, blah. We do the scene and then we say cut. And he stops and he looks at me and says, what? You know, you should really pursue acting. <laughs> You're really good at this, you know. You're really good. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, thanks, Mike. That's, that's pretty cool. No, really, really. Have you ever considered acting? Like, wow. really, like training really professionally? And then it hit me. <laughs> I was like, oh snap, Michael think Michael Jackson thinks I'm a gangbanger. <laughs> Not a gangbanger. I'm like, Mike, Mike, you think I'm a gangbanger? He yeah. says, Well, well, yes. I mean, you know, I, you could leave that life. Mike, whoa. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. Straight off the streets of God, I'm you know? Michael <laughs> yeah. Jackson. I'm a yeah. professionally trained Shakespearean <laughs> actor, actually. I've been doing it for well over eight years. And by Malcolm Gladwell's <laughs> measurement, I would be a master of acting, actually. I've put in my 10,000 hours there, Mr. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <laughs> I didn't actually uh, say all of that, but you get yeah, the picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh my gosh. So ultimately, you realize that I was a real, I was, uh, I was a trained thespian, and uh, uh, that was a great experience, man. I went from working with the, it was supposed to be like two weeks worth of work, and it ended up being a month and a half. Month and a half? Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Why? Just lots of different things. Yeah, yeah. It was Michael Jackson because it went from being a short film. Mm -hmm. It went from being a video to a short film. And it was innovative. It was, you know, uh, way above, what's that word? A cut cut above the rest. No one was doing Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. like that. It was a game changer at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that thing, I mean, it's like almost 45 minutes or 30 to 45 minutes long, which was Mm -hmm. really supposed Mm -hmm. to be a music video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 But you must have at times thinking enough, right? Because I've watched that over and over again. Who hasn't, right? And just thinking, oh my God, man, the synchronicity, the timing, the perfection in so much of this video at the time, you just think there's been nothing like this before. 
but now you're just saying it went to like six weeks uh, to shoot <laughs> you know, oh, music video. Man, man you're you talking must, about enough. <laughs> oh no, man, that was a check. It was a check, baby. We were, baby. I was getting paid week to week, baby. <laughs> okay. I, so, was, yeah. I, I hope to never hear Keep it going. Keep it going. Oh, please, Lord. <laughs> Don't you want one more take, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, I'm I ain't really supposed to say it ain't my place to say, but I sure think you could go with one. I'll do it if you will. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow ah legendary seriously dude i mean you know i i gotta ask you you know when for you did you kind of realize you'd gone from actor to stardom when was that moment for you when was the change when when do you realize hey i'm no longer just an actor you know i've gone yeah, to stardom. That, was with, <clears throat> that was with spike and mm-hmm. after Mobetta Blues came mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That film there, that, that was the one that really changed. That and 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 yeah, New Jack City. Those two. Those two mm-hmm. moments. There was, oh my god. Yeah, because Mobetta Blues, I remember, I'll never forget walking down the street in on Sixth Avenue next to uh where the, they they play ball on West 4th Street in the ballpark there, the legendary ballpark there on Avenue in Americas in New York City. And I heard these footsteps running behind me. And they got fast and faster. So I'm thinking, whoa, something, you know, this might be a problem. This might be a conflict. And as soon as they got closer, I spun them. Martial arts Michael kicks in, right? And I squared up and it was a young lady. And she was like, oh, my God, no, 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 no. She said, oh, my God, it is you. It's you. Oh, my God. That was incredible. We started talking about the Mobetta Blues performance, right? And it dawned (laughs) on me, it's like, oh, snap. That's what happens? That people see the movie and you could literally be walking down the street and around since you were five years old. And people going to start running up on you and girls at that (laughs) (laughs) whoa (laughs) this is all right yeah (laughs) and then new jack off that was a whole nother thing that whole new jack and the new jack swing that was Mm -hmm. just went to a whole different league yeah you walked you we we walked into a, a club one time of the film and some performances of all of the uh, the music artists that were associated with it, all of the Teddy Riley crew and all of that. And we walked into this big uh, club in Washington, D.C. And when we walked in, the whole place went crazy, like we were rock stars. Mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, <laughs> wow. And then all of the champagne started, and then I was like, oh. And you know, he, you, when I hear something really crazy, because prior to that, uh, maybe, yeah, about 10 years of that period, I was living as a practicing Muslim. Mm-hmm. So I didn't mm-hmm. drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't fornicate, I didn't do none of that. Well, for almost mm-hmm. 10, 10 years, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm thrown in the world of Hollywood and 
Wow, <laughs> it was deep. <laughs> yeah, which is all about drinking, partying, and fornicating, oh, right? Exactly. <laughs> You're saying that your faith was tested at that point. Oh, oh was it many times? <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah! <laughs> Hallelujah! Uh, many times. It's just one thing. I mean, the year after New Jack City. Then, I mean, as far as I remember, you were just a super... It was White Man Can't Jump that just Mm. was like, holy crap. Mm. I think I watched that movie 20 times when I was younger. Wow. But, you know, I didn't have a perspective. I didn't have that perspective of it. I didn't have the perspective of starting. I thought the hip-hop artists were more famous than I was, you know? I didn't know the volume of people that were actually watching the films and really how far film actually traveled. And, you know, I'm right over in Australia, man. So, <laughs> wow, that's yeah, amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm in the hip hop culture and, you know, the hip hop culture got superstars and you got, you know, the musicians, the rappers and, the, and, and, and the, you know, very few actors were superstars in the hip hop culture at that time. So, you know, I didn't have a perspective on the value of that kind of access and the impact I was as a as an artist in that uh, in in film films does that it, translated does, around the world, you know. <clears throat> but but today has that sunk in still, or you still kind of think, wow, or or now it resonates loudly. Oh, I you, get it the now. Impact. You get it now. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, buddy, I get it now. I understand very, very well Brilliant. the power of mm-hmm. uh, having that platform and having access and mm-hmm. the power of imagery mm-hmm. and how images shape, they can construct or destruct both cultures, ideologies, sense of self. And it's a very powerful tool and I've been given access to it, keys to it. And, it's a gift. Uh, yeah. The gift to understand it and, and, and mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to use it for the betterment of humanity and fight for. I mean, you can see that across all of the work that I'm doing. It's the streaming, you know, technologies that we mm-hmm. offer to mm-hmm. the the world, talking linear as well as VOD, uh, high speed data fiber technologies, <clears throat> offered in formats that are free. Mm-hmm. Or whether we're doing something with VR and AR, uh, where we are combining our physical wellness interest with mental health and exploring ways of taking the VR technologies and being narratives or stories or interactives that service the needs of the mental health community or of languages of people, you know, we have technologies that allow us to real time translate voice to text and voice to speech, 70 different languages, uh, maybe a hundred different languages in text. These things that allow for greater communication, greater collaboration and greater exposure, arts to the cultures and the ways, you know, and options, I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of that's on the same trajectory as, you know, that we are looking at to create legacy and in institutions that combine science and technology and the holistic arts. 
performing arts, liberal arts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, metaphysical arts as well, healing arts. Healing arts together. Yeah, yeah. We, were, we were looking. We were looking through some of that stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, last few days. I mean, it's it's really pretty amazing. It's pretty. And, and the, the thing that I couldn't get my head around was that, that it was entirely free. You know, I was like, "There's got to be yeah. a catch here somewhere, surely." Mm-hmm. And then, you know, where's the catch? It's kind of crazy. Yeah, you, you're talking about the Tiki Live, Tiki Live, yeah. Tiki Live, and T Street cable and, or and alternative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, it's a, if you imagine what uh, say Verizon is, or what your, or uh, let me see, maybe Sky or Orange. I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of maybe Thompson in Australia, or uh, or maybe a a, a cable carrier or the cable carrying equivalent uh, in that region or the UK. Mm-hmm. And this uh, this is a similar platform, but without the need for cabling, instead satellite and dark fiber and the web. So you can yeah. do all of the things on your cable network, uh, but now you have global accessibility uh, underground, through the water, and through the sky, through the air. Yeah. The, the the thing that sort of blows me away from what I understand about it is it's free. Yeah, that's, that's one that's of the, the part I'm trying to get my head around. Be. Yeah, sure, sure, because there you know content attracts uh, sponsors, strategic, mm-hmm. um, and that can be monetized. That can mm-hmm. offset some of the need for uh, what were subscriptions or certain. Um, you know, license models. And then you also have the VOD. So certain content is made free uh, in certain regions uh, to certain, and then more premium content or other content might, uh, you might have to pay for. Even live mm-hmm. events you might have mm-hmm. access mm-hmm. to. So how does, how does it, for the consumer, for you and me and the everyday person, I mean, how do, how do we benefit more than the Netflix and the Amazon Primes and, and so on it, it is the fact that I, we don't necessarily have to pay the subscription service and we get great content. And you're locked the into a subscription. That's correct. The locked yeah. into the subscription yeah. service. But it also gives you access to um, broader content that you wouldn't normally get in your particular region. Uh, you can get it in a linear format like, a, like your natural television guide or you can get it in the style of format where you 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 pay without the subscription um, and then for those who are say broadcasters there are revenue opportunities that you leverage the aggregate of all of the users on the network or within that particular sector and then you like you would on YouTube get uh, a revenue share from either the CPMs or ad, ad revenue that can be buttressed in front of or around your content, uh, as well as giving you the opportunity to go direct to your consumer, peer to peer, person to person, on your terms and your conditions. Yeah. So you so, get, so you get pr- the benefit of the collective and the community, mm-hmm. uh, but you also get the benefit of having uh, an interactive system to present your content, but also a pay system as well to exact exchange between you and that particular customer. And then you keep that information for your further business growth expansion. Wow, damn. Damn, dude. I mean, 
this is, is all, something. This is all Dave Walker stuff, right? Because most this people know Dave me Walker as the actor. actor right? <laughs> they didn't know I was a tech, a tech, a tech wizard too. Yeah, uh, 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 gonna... build Knox, I don't build data centers, I don't done it all this yeah. kind of stuff, man. But this I is used the to carry a bug set, man. You, know? <laughs> you were <laughs> way beyond I'm... an actor, man. You were way yeah, beyond an actor. That I was just, a part I was of your as an actor, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> as an actor. I'm really a television. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, the, and that is your journey. Your journey. You're going in, and you're 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 you know with the, the different projects. Look, I always say you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet as an entrepreneur, right? And you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, a disruptor, an actor. You know, as I said, all the things I said previously. And you know, any good entrepreneur has a few failures along the way because you learn and you grow from your failures and mistakes and so forth to eventually you start to take all that learning and skill set in. You use those relationships. You use those skills that you've learned along the way to actually make something even better and and disrupting and finding out what do people actually need? You know, what are your USPs? What are your unique selling points? And what you're talking about with Tiki Live and what you're doing and so forth, man, this is what people need. Um, You know, there's, you know, Netflix model and the Amazon, uh, the Amazon model, great. Okay, you know they were kind of the the pioneers of, of of changing the way that we view content nowadays. But things are going to get disrupted. Things are going to keep moving forward. The model's going to change. And, and, and wow, it sounds fascinating what you're doing. I mean, who is your typical? Who do you see as your demographic for this for this model in the future? Uh, for the technologies, it's really any anyone. Uh, it's the mm-hmm, full scope mm-hmm. of uh, mm-hmm. talent because it's ubiquitous. You think of it as utilities. It's the needs of the home builder or the to, to the creative artist. Uh, we're enablers in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the the I would say if there, there's any um, overarching theme around what we're kind of focusing on in the creative side is dynamic action and body movement content, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. action across the yeah. genres. Yeah. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm that Fred Astaire Gene Kelly guy. You know, <laughs> Wesley, can, I, can I ask you, yeah. would it be possible um, to, to uh, send us some links? We'd love to include them, you know, on the page. Of yeah. The yes, I'll send, you, I'll send you some links yeah. to you know, the, uh, the um, platforms and also to some of the technologies. And, uh, yeah, we're doing some wonderful things. We're doing stuff with blockchain uh, mm-hmm. technologies in a number of different sectors, not only um, um, products to pill imprinting to um, um, content media distribution um, for the blockchain community. Uh, smart contracting uh, IP and then making that IP available through the various uh, blockchain platforms or a blockchain platform and then finding ways to tie you know tokenization into it uh, other some wonderful things um, what, what do you mean by tokenization uh, the digital currency or the digital asset can be somehow monetized or it gives you some access. So you're tying the uh, product to your uh, consumer through an experience, an incentivized experience. And uh, this token can be 
it's giving you access to a VIP uh, chat room or conference room or VR, mm-hmm. live VR event. Or it can be something that can be, uh, it can be <clears throat> exchanged for Ethereum or Bitcoin or another mm-hmm. digital mm-hmm. asset. And then that, you know, brought into your, your, your traditional currencies. Uh, for instance, we have projects that center around uh, the storylines of the film sit around casino heist, casino uh, caper. That automatically opens up a natural uh, interaction, uh, integration of tokens that are used in the film, but also have a place in real in the real world, and can offer the viewers or the person who comes to the uh, the film, or even the person who plays the video game, right, a certain incentive uh, for being down with the community or. A, a customer. So you, so you're bringing some sort of community aspect into the platform and model. Is the idea where people can engage in a sense with the platform? Absolutely, is that the idea? absolutely. Yeah. Interaction, yeah. immersion, mm-hmm. and exposure. Mm-hmm. Wow. The focus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So the Daywalker Click. That's the whole global community of these native mm-hmm. skill masters from science and technology, like our friends at the NASA uh, Johnson Space Center, our friends over at Musk Starlink, um, to our friends, you know, who who make some of the best movies in the world. And Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the guys who are the the actors and the stuntmen in some of the Avenger movies. These are all down with the click. Um, Mm -hmm. They Mm -hmm. they vibe on the overarching... Uh, goal and agenda to create better quality content that is constructive and entertaining, edutainment, and take the use of technologies um, to communities that are often marginalized or overlooked so they can scale up. And then in whole, yeah, create a better options for a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. And who has control over that content that comes in on the platform? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even the content creators have content. And uh, we are very much into privacy. So um, some aspects of the the platforms offer complete anonymity and privacy. And we, we as the servers or as the hoster don't know anything about who uh, that person is beyond their account number or some identifier, but all of their information is private and we don't sell it. We don't mm-hmm. you know, get into mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah. And a consumer can, a, a consumer can just uh, log in, you know, from whichever device um, yeah. without uh, <clears throat> Both paying Both APIs, applications, and also uh, browser-based access. Because uh, we cross, we really cross the spectrum. So, you know, you can have that type of one-off live pay-per-view event that's controlled and you control the play wall, et cetera. Or you could have an ongoing series where, you know, the, the series is free, but the content creators benefit from the advertising dollars that are built around or generated by that particular content. But generally, the, cons- the, the consumer, the consumer experience is is free, or it's or it's paid for by at some consumer. levels or free. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, that's, that's the part where, you know, you kind of look. Actually, you know, when you when you think about esports, the, the big game ch- changer in esports was to build a great game with good support and actually just make it free instead of constantly getting mm-hmm. people for money, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, when we were... I mean, but it's regional, this, uh, you know, some... some- of the world it's okay you know some regions of the world they only deal with in that in that space they only deal with digital assets so it's very okay you know for them to pay a subscription fee or an access fee or a vip mm-hmm. pass mm-hmm. or something to tear up like for instance you know you could be down with the day walker click but everybody's not you feel me? You gotta earn. You gotta. You gotta earn the right to be a daywalker and really down with the click. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. do? What have you done? What are you planning to do? All determines if you get in. If you get to join the click or not, become a daywalker. You might just be a night stalker, and that's cool. <laughs> you're not a daywalker. <laughs> Hey guys, sorry to cut you off uh, halfway through this incredible chat with Mr. Wesley Snipes, uh, but please make sure you tune in next week to part two where you can hear the rest of his incredible journey. Hope you loved today's show. Got some great more guests coming each week. Please remember to subscribe right now.